Hello and welcome to the 6++ Plus Show, a podcast for your wargaming and 40k needs. Hobby talk, tactics, tournament reports, lore and much more. We have it all. Please welcome your host for the evening, Tom. Welcome ladies, gentlemen and haywire scourge to that 6++ show. I am your host Tom. We are back again. We're talking psychology tonight. Player psychology using some tricks and hammer for how you categorize yourself, think about your experience with the game, what you're looking for, what other people around you are like, and maybe find the right people to play games with. So before we do that, we've got a bunch of nice characters here to chat. Um, we've got one hopefully on his way, but we'll introduce him as and when he makes it here. But first, I'm going to start with my sensei, John. John, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. Uh, I finally got out of my hobby funk, so I've finished oh, off some scouts in the last two days and painted one Vanguard vet that thinks he's a Death Company guy, but I don't know anymore. They're space nice. marines. Very nice. <laughs> John's on a difficult emotional journey for those who don't know, because he's played Dark Angels for ages, but Dark Angels are about to be trash. So he's doing some Blood Angels. They're all right. They're okay. I found a, a position that I like Van Vets in after slating yeah. them for the entire edition. It's in the Blood Angels detachment with the Sangry <laughs> Priest. Yes. Because then they hit strength 7 AP2. There's still one damage. It's not bad, is it? It's not no, bad. It's not yeah. It's almost... They're cheap. They're a thing. That's, yeah, why not? Uh, but yeah, we've got some very nice looking Death Company coming through the ranks. Have you played any games, John? Uh, I have played one test game of the Inner Circle Task Force. Ooh. I used the uh, the list that Ed and I composed for Cracking the Codex, okay. and then went into Aaron's new Custodes list. And oh uh, yeah, it was a trial by fire. Uh, custodies are quite good, right? Yeah, they're all right. It ended 100 to 72, so I think I did all right. But hey, at the same time, that's, that's the result I was expecting. So, yeah, yeah. And it taught me a lot about the detachment, and I really liked the impulses, and now I need at least another two. Sweet. That sounds good. It's good when I games don't have a problem. wanting to buy more models. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one uh, stage right. You somewhere. keep saying this to me. It's such a tease. You can't have it, though. <laughs> he does have it. You can hear him. You can hear those sorts of tones. I'm also joined tonight. By Ed. Ed, how are you doing, mate? What's up? Oh my Jesus word! I've had large amounts of sugar and caffeine, so I'm feeling great. <laughs> Bringing back some some timeless phrases as well. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Ed, what, Ed, what's new in your hobby life? Uh, I've done a lot of old world, and yes, I've done a fair bit of 40k. I'm I'm back on the wagon fully. You all got any more of those TTS games? I <laughs> played a TTS game uh, against Paul James. Um, there was an event over this weekend, Saffron Slam, that Paul James <laughs> went to. He played yeah. three games on Saturday. Then he came home, went, I'm bored. I will play you on TTS. And we played most of a game. And then it got to midnight. I was like, I need to go to sleep. And he was like, I'm going to spend the next hour and a half thinking about Warhammer. You go, girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. what a... F- what a fucking, uh, what a hero. <laughs> but uh, apparently I've got robot noise, so go to Lewis and come back to me because I have more things to That's say. That's absolutely fine. I will go to Lewis because we're talking about Saffron Slam, so it segues really nicely. I'm also joined tonight by Lewis, who's wearing his 6 plus colours. Look at that. Lovely, lovely shirt on display. Represent, boys. Represent. Lewis, what's new in your hobby life? Or I, have, I have woken up 
after mm-hmm. effectively spending a day yesterday asleep mm-hmm. after the Saffron Slam. Um, I'm very much one of those people that I really enjoy social interaction, but it does drain me rather than fill me up. So uh, I literally spent all of Monday not talking to anybody completely asleep. Uh, but yeah. it was a cracking weekend, hopefully, as you'll agree, Tom. Oh, great. Um, it's always one of the best events there is, right? It's just a lovely atmosphere. Really very fun. kind of you. That, that Saffron Slam atmosphere, that's what we go that. for. That is what we go for. And I think credit to all of our players. They they kept the atmosphere going. They did exactly what I asked them to do. I do this little spiel at the start of every event about what I want the event to be and how I want people to play the games. And so far, we are basically 10 events in now, and everybody has listened to me in all of those so um it's yeah. been a pleasure to host everybody um and uh, yeah a really successful event um and a couple of shout outs if i can tom yeah, go I'm, gonna, I'm gonna boost some egos yeah um, i want to start with one of our our mentees is that what the men, uh, person who we're mentoring is yeah i like i like mentees mentee victim yeah. whatever we want to however we want to <laughs> phrase it um patrick odell um he claimed this weekend his fifth that's five so that's 50 percent of saffron slams that has ever been most sporting opponent award wow. so well, every cool. other event he wins the most sporting opponent award um and to be honest, to do that in a Saffron Slam, where I'm already trying to push that kind of sportsmanship side of the game, um, I think that's really, really impressive in and of itself. Yes. Um, and actually, crucially, as a result of the mentoring, he's now winning games as well. So to be able to he win is. games and be most sporting opponent. He is think... not Sky Splinter Assault at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, um, so, all, yeah. All credit to Patrick. Lovely man. Really lovely man. Yeah, definitely. Big shout out for him. Um, probably shout out the People's Champion, Jack Tight, as well. Um, yeah. Our 6++ plus plus listeners chose him. A, he basically he put himself forward and said he'll run whatever the listeners decide he will run. And they chose for him a monocorn demon army. Um, hilarious to watch, especially when he paired in round one into the ravine and decided to shove an entire corn army down the ravine to <laughs> his, his admec opponent was not able to deal with. Um, so got overrun. Um, and actually, to be fair, despite the kind of handicap of just running blood letters and blood crushers, um, he took a 4-1, which is, I think, is an incredible achievement. And actually, I think, shows what a great, a properly great player can do, even with a list that isn't the most overpowered. And finally, Tom, a shout out to your good self. Um, not for, for winning. That's that's for another video. <laughs> well done. Brilliant. Cracking on. But actually what I wanted to shout out on a more serious note is at the start of 2024, you, good man, committed to alternating your events. So you said you were going to go to a UKTC event or, or a big event. And then the next event you'd go to would be a smaller sort of local event, a bit more of yeah. a, a kind of a fun, friendly event. And so far, you have followed that, as far as I'm aware. Um, and actually, it's the sort of thing where I think if every player did that, I think it would potentially reduce some of the stress or the worry on local TOs who, whilst they're happy to see the tournament scene growing and seeing all these massive events happening, are worried about their own local events. So I think okay. you are you are someone that we could all learn a little bit from, I think, in terms of how we approach attending events in 40K. So that's it. That's the Saffron Slam. I think think the weekend really hammered home to me what I love about the smaller events. You get to talk to everybody there. You really feel that sense of a sort of combined atmosphere. Everyone's checking in on everybody else. And it's easier to win. 
Apparently they're easy to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, say, I didn't, I didn't, um, didn't go with the intention of winning this one, but it happened sort of accidentally. Uh, the Jakari did well. I had a good time with the Jakari, and I really enjoyed the games that I played. I actually, looking at it, I managed to play pretty much the entire top five, except for Jack Tide, which I think was big <laughs> in my in my, my progress towards getting to the top of that event. But I was really delighted with the quality of games that I got. I only had one game where I felt like it was a mismatch. Everyone else I played was really strong opponents on, on decent, but like interesting lists, and we had a really good time. So, no, really, really chuffed with it. And yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. I think I think for every big event, get to a little local one. That's my plan. It's been, I'm really enjoying it so far. I think it's nice to mix that up. Um, but yeah, it was nice to win Saffron Sam. It was a very, very lovely end to my weekend. I turned 32 uh, on Monday, so that was my sort of pre-birthday celebration. So I was very happy. Um, because the other one of my other bullet points for this year was some more podium places at GTs. So it's nice to take one of those off as well. Definitely. Um, and you've got a fabulous I, build to I, paint I, up now. I have got a fabulous build trophy who's going to be... I'll start gold with him and then maybe I'll paint full Empress Children Colors on him eventually. We'll see. Um, yes, that was really wonderful. And shout out to all my opponents. I had some really good games with um, Harley, Sam Squires. Um, who's the demon chap? Actually, podium did the end. The lad I played in the first round. He was really, really nice. Jack Sayer. That was it. Jack Sayer. Really, really decent opponent and really lovely guy as well. Um, and Darm, who was uh, that was a bit of a mismatch because Darm was still quite new, I think, but he was still an absolute gent about it. Um, and obviously Josh French as well from Team South Africa. That was a really fun game. He bought me a beer about three turns in. It was like, this is my last attempt. This is my last. <laughs> this is my last. The last roll of the dice. To turn this around, just put a beer in you. Um, but we had a really, really good That's a solid tactic, to be honest. It works. Yeah, I, don't, I was like, have you been listening? Do you know? Are you, do you know? <laughs> do you know a couple how, more of these and I'll be comfortable. I was going to say, did is. he buy you one or did he buy you two? Cause, uh... Just the one. But uh, I then had a situation where I was playing Harley in the final. I was like, I have to go and buy like two LucasAid Sports, a bunch of food, and just sit sobering myself up from my one <laughs> beer because I'm such a lightweight. <laughs> like, I just need to get oh, my brain back you. on board before I play this game. Just I feel like beers at 10am on a Sunday to get you going. Oh, <laughs> it's not for me. I'm a, I'm a delicate boss. I can't handle it. Right, I'm going to shout some people out in the chat and then we'll we'll move forward. So we've got Noble Matty. Wonderful to have you here. Pickalax. Um, Caroline Turing DS, Sindri Tepet, uh, Rob Kimpton is also in. Hello, Rob. You're a Haywire Scourge, Mwah. but we'll talk about that another time. They're really, really good. <laughs> because he did put his army up for community vote, um, and it still absolutely bashed everyone with just so many corn demons. It was really, really cool, really exciting to see. Okay, so we've got a little bit of Plus news, so we're going to round up that Plus first, and then we'll dive into our topic, which is thinking about player psychologies. Welcome, Gordon Chung as well, AKG, and Jack. Jack is also here. Oh, loads of people in the chat. Nice to have you all here. So, John, any exciting news on the 6 Plus channel that you might want to divulge? Yeah, so as uh, Chris said last week, the Patreon was closed, but it's been replaced by... <gasps> you may see that you can hit Join below the video now. If you hit Join you get three tiers you can join and support the channel Amazing. so the bottom tier you get the lovely thing saying you're a member you get access to all the behind the scene behind the scenes uh content we're going to put up on youtube so whether it's videos posts in the community tab it will be kind of tucked in there mm -hmm. and then the next tier up there will be a special part of the discord that will be appearing in the next couple of days oh. where you'll be able to see other special stuff and then the that third tier fans. 
Yes. Well, it's actually going to be the fan fiction for... Yeah, the Lewis Ness fan fiction. That's yeah. going in there. Yeah, definitely. And then the, <laughs> the top tier is the captain tier, which uh, should enable people where they will get in contact and then they will be able to sort out doing coaching via one of the yes, teams. absolutely. So we've been mentoring a few people. We have a really good time with that. Um, it's a lot of fun. We've got a bunch of people who know the game really well, but are also you know teachers in their real life and really enjoy the, the sort of challenge of, of putting ideas across to people. So if you're interested in working with Chris or me or even someone else, if someone's got your interest, um, then drop us a message and we'll very helpfully sort you out. And I think, as I say, Pat, Patrick, who's a wonderful, wonderful guy who's been working with us for a few months, um, I think he's definitely starting to see some progress with his Drutari, and that was really, really fun to see that sort of in action at the weekend. Brilliant. Okay, so yeah, obviously it's it's, a, it's the big move for us over from Patreon. So please do um, chip in and support us any way you can. It makes a massive difference to us. Um, and now we've got the slightly more streamlined system. It'll be easier for us to make sure we're throwing out things that kind of reward those different tiers as well as we go. Oh, Jack says it definitely helped him as well. Yeah, well, Jack, you're a little killer these days. So that's it. You're welcome. If we want to do some more <laughs> shameless self self promotion, uh, my friend who i adopted after he went uh he got the wooden spoon at a goonhammer event a couple of years ago <gasps> two weeks ago i uh, went three and two at a gt oh. so shout out to craig uh i told him in, i've told him myself but really really impressed really proud of his uh input performance and that just shows that we are obviously incredible what we do and i'm going to take <laughs> away all the agency from him rolling the dice moving the models making the decisions, <laughs> and say that it was all you, the coaching baby. of six plus plus yeah, exactly that. If you'd like some no nonsense, tough love coaching from Ed, you know where you can find it. Just drop him a message. He'll be he'll be very. It, it really is tough love as well. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the worst. <laughs> it's different approaches, isn't it? It's different approaches. I think that's great. We've got personalities for every every situation, so I think it's really definitely something we can definitely provide. Oh, nice! Um, We've got somebody played Craig. Yeah, Super Strudel Three's charming. At nice. What a game! And Kermit is fantastic. Love to see it. Love Kermit. Um. Actually, got a mug with Beaker on for my birthday. Beaker's my oh, favorite. Oh, nice. Because I look like him when I do this. <laughs> anyway. <Not a> podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Tom was transposed. If you're listening, by Beaker. In, I look like Beaker. Um, don't worry. Don't, don't worry about it too much. <laughs> Superstruder says Ed does like to crack the whip. Well, yeah. That'll be in the fan fiction as well. So you can enjoy that. Yeah. Um, that'll be really good. I didn't, I didn't sign, co sign on any of this, by the way. Just uh, <laughs> I understand that that makes you more interested in writing it. But I am just going to put it out here so I have it on record that I didn't. I'm not going to use the word consent because I'm not not consenting, but I didn't sign up for any of this. I don't see how it could possibly get out of hand. No, no way. No way at all. Uh, speaking of things not getting out of hand I do want to have a little bit of a disclaimer about this evening's topic so I have a psychology degree uh, and I've never worked in psychology so uh, my opinion is as relevant as everyone else's but it lets me say things a little more smugly um, like normal these... yeah, I was going to say where's the difference? I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a reason to sound smug at all times buddy I've got a long list uh, so Player profiles are a great way to think about how you might want to approach the game. Don't reduce people to them. Uh, if you if you look at things like the Myers Briggs, it is pseudoscience. Oh. It's bullshit. Don't reduce people down to you know how they fall in a chart, but have a good time with it. You know, yeah. uh, think about how it benefits you and benefits others. Absolutely, yeah. I think we don't want to be thinking about anything we're talking tonight as deterministic, right? And I think there's always a massive risk when people do that. But it's just, it's ways of thinking about and grouping different experiences and, and types of ways of... It's having... Um, and it's inspiring a little bit of introspection rather than, yeah, this is what you are now. You 
have no choice. That is the end of it. Um, let's absolutely not have that. Sidney <laughs> says I need a smoking uh, jacket and a pipe to drive home the smokiness. I may have amazing. I may have the smoking jacket. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Not Love to see it. Oh, you need to wear that in more content, I think. Yeah. Good to see you here as well, Davey. And a couple of shout-outs as well for our wider team, because Joe went 5-0 and came second at the Warhammer World event with his custodians over the weekend, which is awesome. And Rob Kimpton came ninth jakari so another another really solid result me and rob were chatting and we realized that if you take me him and george from real space raiders out of the win pool for this week jakari's win rate with the new attachment is 38 percent which is a little bit concerning but it's not, we it's, are not. In the it's, a, it's a finesse army like yeah, as yeah, someone yeah, who's yeah. been on the receiving <laughs> end of the finesse army quite a lot by somebody who's quite good with it i can tell you that it mm. does take skill to play and god it's so fucking annoying when they are good at it, like I, I hate <laughs> elf bullshit more than I hate anything in life. Uh, but I will admit that if you're good with something like that, it is yeah, night and day. And it yeah, should be that way around. It shouldn't yeah. just be yeah. you push it forward and it does the thing. Because we saw in ninth edition, it's not fun for anyone. Like, I don't know. There were some uh, some yeah. some players who made some careers out of that uh, that book in ninth <laughs> edition. I think. <laughs> good times. Good times. That is not what this uh, detachment is. If you are interested in that, speaking of content that we've got coming up, I will do obviously, I will do a report of the GT when it's sat on Slam with Sky Splinter Assault, and I will go through all the games in depth. I'll go through my sort of thoughts on how the faction plays and ways that you can get uh, juice out of it and how you can use it on the board. I had a lot of ideas going into this, but I didn't have the practice and the, the vindication. But I think now, obviously, I do. So it's a really good position to have talked about it, um, and hopefully, I can. Speak give a little bit of insight into how you can use that attachment the different units in it to get the most out of it. Um, do avoid lots of artillery and or custodians though, because I don't have answers for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have You won't see custodians, Tom. What are you on about? No, no, They're no, not no, a no, thing. No. There was one custodians player at Sapphire Sam, but I managed to duck and weave around him without having to deal with it. So it's I do want to say, like, how fucking hot on custodians was I at teams where I was like, I just want to play custodians, just want to play custodians. What happened over the weekend? Oh, you, you're, on the, in the UK. you're yeah. on the money. You're on the money. Hundred percent. That's that's exactly it. They were they were just waiting, and they're going to be they're going to be a real force now. I think for quite a while. The game's if, the, see a if there's one thing I understand, it is T6 models with an invun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. It's just rains with a with a melee output. Very scary. Mm -hmm. um, right. Okay. Uh, have we got any other content that we need to account for, John? I think you had one video out since we were last on. So we did uh, the. Uh, Unforgiven Task Force video for Cracking the Codex last week. So that okay. came out on Friday. Um, obviously, it's the index detachment, but we're kind of looking into it and seeing whether it still holds up and whether you can kind of play it, or do you just go into the, the, the kind of the, in the detachments in the main Space Marine Codex? And I think we came up with some interesting ideas behind it, but watch if you want to see what we really thought of it. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. There is one reason to play that detachment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's your teaser. It will surprise you. Yeah. It will surprise you. Three minute video. It's <laughs> oh, 21 minutes. Sorry. We drag it out for 21 minutes. Sorry. <laughs> um, we are doing one this week as well. Uh, we put it to a community poll. We asked if people wanted another Tyranids detachment or a Necron detachment. No one really cared about them for some reason. They wanted to hear about Sky Splinter Assault. So, oh, did they? Oh, you guys coming yeah. on my patch? Outrageous. Okay, yeah. no, that's fine. I look well, no, we were going to say, 
depending on scheduling, do you want to be on? Oh, no, uh, I'll, I'd love to come on now. Yeah. yeah. So this, <laughs> this, this is the classic 6++ organised their scheduling. On yeah, that sounds good. Live, uh, live admin. This is what I'm everyone's tuned in for. for exactly. Cool. I was speaking of, yeah, so Rock and Stone, um, uh, we're going to do that this week. My, I haven't got my computer back yet, as you can see. As soon as I've got that back, we'll do Rock and Stone. James Marsden made the semi-finals at Northampton, vindicating what yep. we were going to tell you, unfortunately, before he went, which is that Votan is still very good. Um, but he lost narrowly to Manny Chima. I don't actually, I don't know how narrow it was. He, he said it was a very rough game, but he nonetheless yeah. made it all the way there like an absolute hero. So between us, we've got a bunch of very strong events that we need to pick over and talk about Votan. So we will try and his it. list wasn't the typical kind of Votan list I've seen yeah, kind of well recently, which was does, nice. He always does exactly what he likes. And he had two land forts in there. The land fort is, is a little bit better these days. It definitely, um, there's a few things less in the game that immediately lifted up as soon as it also oh, didn't go up in points. No, yeah. it didn't. It's got that going for it as well. So, yeah, some fun things to talk about, and we will try and get that recorded this week as well. Okay, fantastic. Right, we are going to launch into talking about player psychologies. Now, as Ed has alluded to, these are not the be-all and end-all. These are just some, some essentially some ported-over ways of thinking about players um, of games that I think originate in analysing Magic the Gathering, but yeah. which uh, Goonhammer run a series of articles applying and thinking about. Um, how they might apply to 40k. So I think there's a few different things in here that I wanted to break open and discuss with the group and a few of the insights and takeaways from the discussion. So as we go, please do feel free to shout out your thoughts and where you think things lie or any examples you can think of in the chat and save up any questions that you have about it as well for the end. Uh, but I think the first and foremost, the, the important thing to talk about with this is that one of the reasons that they are interested and we are interested in looking at different types of players, sort of psychology or sort of worldviews, as it were, is that a lot of the time the conversation, especially online around 40k and games like it, puts everyone in one of two very streamlined camps, right? You're either a competitive player or you're a casual player, this kind of casual competitive binary. Um, what do we think of that, first of all, before we dive into this? Is that useful? Is that ever useful? No, and if so, how? <laughs> it, it creates a situation where you have people saying, the casual guys take it too casual, and then you have the casual guys allegedly saying that the guys playing at match play competitive ruin the game for them. When in reality, what they all want is a game that they can actually play and enjoy. Yes. That's the one thing that they all share. And anyone that says they don't want it to be balanced and fair and kind of playable in either way is lying because they, they obviously must like it being broken because that's how they pick on their mates. And that's not fun <laughs> for anyone, say, really. There, the, yeah, there is a subset of people who I think quite yeah. enjoy. Uh... Oh, yeah, exactly. But I, I don't think those people necessarily fall distinctly into casual or competitive either. I think yep. People that enjoy smashing people in games can be found in all, all of those different Exactly. I'm, I'm brought to mind of a crusade game that John's local crusade that he runs had where one of our players brought the avatar of Kane to a 1K game, which very much wasn't, by my interpretation in the spirit no. of crusade, but which actually, if you look at the ways that this psychology breaks things down, obviously we're going to go into it in a minute, you can see how for that player, he wasn't thinking about it in terms of, I'm going to jam a big, horrible unit that my opponent can't deal with. He was thinking about it in terms of, what's the coolest thing I have that I want to bring to this game that looks awesome, and I'm going to shove it in the middle and see what happens. And actually, that's the way that player likes to play the game. Um, and it creates a bit of a feels-bad experience for someone else, but it's not really, it's not someone making a competitive choice, it's someone doing yeah. something they think is interesting for an interesting experience. I think there's, um, so there's yeah, that, some use. Sorry, you the, go there. There's some use in the distinction between the two in terms of, it, I think, 
we're still at the stage where what we're going to talk about isn't kind of common knowledge. Mm. I think the majority of people, whether it's right or wrong, I think would probably think about themselves in one of those two categories. Um, and actually, when you're planning things like pick up games at the club and things like that, yeah. it can be quite helpful to know in advance what kind of type of game you want to play. Do you want to play a competitive game or do you want to play a casual game? I know for myself, I know what attitude I need to bring to a game. Mm. If someone says they want a competitive game, I'm like, okay, fine. You're going to get my tournament list. You're going to get me playing mm. to the best of my ability. And whether you enjoy that or not, I guess that's kind of on you because you've suggested you want to play that sort of game. And then if someone goes actually down the double well, on a casual game, then I completely change what I'm doing. So I think yeah. there is still some use in that distinction, especially whilst it is the kind of more, more most widely understood kind of two categories at the moment. I, I personally yeah. don't think they are a correct I kind of understand it because you could be a little bit of both. Um, yeah. But I think that's in it. terms of uh, practical application, they are still in use. And I think we have to accept yeah. that. I think the learning I'm taking from this is that people play casual games. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you've never really existed in that spectrum, but they do, they I, do exist. I have deliberately not signed up for Crusades because I know that I can't make an, yeah. a, you know, can't give my opponent off. a fair <laughs> experience. Because I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a fluffy list. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, so if I put three of these war machines in at 500 points. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why for Old World, I suggested some fairly stringent restrictions. You did. You for me, not for yourself. anyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's an example of you knowing yourself, right? And knowing oh, yeah. what kind of things work and knowing what kind of things don't. I've always, for, um... casual games, I've always found that I will be told someone wants a casual game, I'll rock up with some weird fucking shit, and then I'll get my absolute ass handed to me. It's happened over and over again. The first time I played Adam, I had Jane's R and some Howling Banshees and a Wave Serpent, which was not a meta thing. <laughs> and Adam wrapped the entire thing with Possessed and killed them. <laughs> In Adam's defence, he didn't know what <laughs> wrapping was. Yeah, God, yeah, well, he just did it and was like, oh, wait, hold on. Does this mean is, you this can't get out? This is a thing happening. Yeah, uh, yeah it was pretty much, that sort of situation. Pretty much it was... In that moment, how it worked. Yeah. Um, and so That's rational fun. capital asks, does feel bad mean army not competitive? So feel bad is an interesting one. And I think feel bad is usually, I think, where the expectations of the two people perhaps aren't meeting, right? What 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 one person was hoping to get from the game isn't being got and they're feeling hard done by or sad as a result. And actually, as we dig into these kind of archetypes in a moment, I think that the thing with the casual competitive is it, is it kind of posits that there's only two ways where actually there's a lot of overlapping parts to this and people embody a whole bunch of different traits and that's what this is trying to unpack and represent so with that in mind i'm going to outline these i'm going to give you the full three that we're using tonight and then we'll sort of unpack them in detail right so to speak very broadly the types of psychology they're offering here and these are all male gender there are alternative genders available if you'd like to use those you're entirely welcome to um we have Timmy, first and foremost. So Timmy, as a type of player, is playing to experience something. So they like drama, they like big, interesting things to happen, um, and they build towards that experience. But they're about the experience. The exact experience they're after might, be, might differ. They might want to win massive with a big, scary monster. They might want a really social time where everyone feels really good and happy. Uh, but experience is at the heart of what they're seeking to get. Then you've got Johnny, as a player, who is looking to express something. So creativity, innovation, this can be about using an army in an interesting way. It can be about having a really weird theme um, that no one's seen before. It can be about making off meta choices, but then making them work or combo plays or other things. So there's about showing something off in terms of how they interact with and play the game. The character. Finally, you have a spike character who is out to prove something. So this is more about demonstrating your success or your capability 
how good are you at something? What's your achievements? What are you capable of in the game? Um, and as you may notice already, there's going to be some overlap between these different categories. So those are our sort of three broad types, right? Experience, expression, and proving. What do we think is those as a start point before we unpack the sort of the fine details? I think the, the overlap is really interesting because yeah. I think um, the the article goes into a lot of detail about saying that you can you can definitely be more than one of these things. Of course. Um, we can say so multitudes, Lewis. We do, indeed. Diagram. Yes, there's a lot, lot of crossover. Of mm. And I think there's probably a, a bit of an opportunity to actually kind of tailor your category depending on what type of game you're playing. Exactly. And tailor your approach and your expectations into one of those different categories. Although fundamentally, you'll probably you do fit into something amalgamating one or two of them. Yes. What's, I guess, given the context that we're talking from, everyone here is Spike Plus, because <laughs> yeah, d- despite my tongue in cheek, what's a casual game? I wouldn't describe myself as a Spike. Um, no, but obviously no. I am going to a fair whack of events. I am trying to, you know, become the ultimate Pokemon master, beat the Elite Four. Um, <laughs> you know, that sort of. Yeah. No, I think that's completely right, and we'll, yeah. we'll get into it because I I resonate with certainly a couple a couple of aspects in the other two. But mm. when I do those things, I am always still trying to prove something. Yeah, I am never not trying to prove something. When I play 32% win rate GSC in ninth or 29% win rate Votan in 10th, I'm having fun with it, but I am also showing off because I'm like, look, I can do better than the people say this thing is. So that is still a spike-like quality, however however else I might choose to frame or think about it. So in that sense, it's quite helpful to think about the way they attach to each other. And it works almost invertly for me as well, as an example, Tom, because I, I want to try stuff that doesn't work and go, well, I'm see if I can make this work. And then when it doesn't yeah. work, it's the, almost the reverse spike. I'm trying to prove that it works, but it doesn't because I'm not good enough to make it work, if that makes sense. So sometimes yeah, yeah, you get yeah. a situation where you're trying to prove and be unique and it fails. Well, so no, I had of... a thousand suns yeah. the other week. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally yeah. that, where I was like, I, yeah. I, I was sort of talking myself into trying something out, and then it didn't go very well. And at that point, that little voice, that other voice, because you have multiple different yeah. bits of you at play, some voice in you is going, well, you're an idiot then, aren't you? Why have you tried to do that? <laughs> What's the best example of this, Tom? Is it the Invitational that we went to for UKTC, where we both were like, we're going to play this, and we had an idea, and then we both met... On day two, having like won <laughs> zero games. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, I correct. think that's the best example. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's the most competitive event pool I've ever been drawn in the Sunday to see how that goes. <laughs> so I did that where I built right, a list okay, for orcs to kill just space marines, and then I never space space marines for the whole tournament. So you just, it's just sometimes it just doesn't work. Hick Dead says, "I'm Timmy." I respect and love that. So let's let's unpack what these mean in a little bit of depth, or how these have been translated to 40k, and see if any of this resonates with any of you. So if we go back to Timmy, reminder that Timmy was interested in experiencing something. So experiences obviously come in many different forms. This can be big, dramatic wins. This can be really absurd, skewed styles of play and very memorable, weird lists, or a sort of really bonding social time. It can be about adrenaline, like what's the most exciting and risk, like high risk, high reward way of playing the game you can possibly have. Um, it does also include griefers, and that's interesting. That's something we already alluded to. But there are people out there. The experience thereafter is making you feel bad or putting you in a difficult situation, and that can just be in the game terms of like 
here's a horrible puzzle for you to solve, but it can also be, there are also people that just genuinely get off on other people having a bad time. I've seen them. I remember our local club where I was living and there were players there and you would watch their tails wag as they crushed oh, new players. The honestly, players. the joy they were getting from it was honestly a little bit sickening, but for them, that was where their fun was. Uh, no doubt about it. So there are people out there like that. Um, the most infamous Greeker I ever known is actually a Warcraft 3 player called the Greeper, who's quite infamous. Anyone ever plays Warcraft 3 online? There's a guy called the Greeper who literally plays for hours every day, and he kills his own team every game. <laughs> and he's obviously surely like, they know by he, now. <laughs> they do know, and he's famous, and he's literally legendary. But he just keeps doing it, and that's his whole thing. And he'll talk to people very happily and very. Um, gentlemanly whilst he's doing it but that's just what he does and it's he's just it's a bizarre use of someone's time but that kind of person exists very very strange i believe um, the phrase is touch some grass <laughs> yeah fucking loser <laughs> so let's let's think of some examples of things that might appeal to a timmy player so big flipping monsters and vehicles okay you got your bloodthirst you got your lord of skulls you got your great unclean or whatever it is some massive thing uh, that's a big part of the game, something epic looking that's going to be a big part of how you enjoy the game. So there's a bit of Lewis in here, I'm noticing, because Lewis likes a great big I do love a big monster, mate. <laughs> um, they also like sort of rare or unusual moments in games. So let's talk about things like explosions, right? Very unlikely <laughs> outcomes. Someone like, someone that's a sort of experienced base player is going to enjoy that, even if it's happening to them, right? They're going to get a lot of fun out of that kind of occurrence in a game. And actually, I'm quite, I'm drawn to Chris Patterson, who was absolutely loving Rob's stuff exploding uh, when they were playing. Like, Rob's stuff, it nearly exploded and nearly killed his income. But Chris was having a great time with that oh. at the same time. They were both really, really enjoying that whole sort of mini chain of events as it played out. Um, you do get power gamers in this category as well, so people who just want to absolutely put the massive shutdown, massive, memorable, catastrophic victory go tell everyone about it, those kind of people, you know, go and go and report in on their massive win. Um, but obviously, yeah, social gaming goes in here as well, so beer and pretzels, people looking to have a nice time as well. So there's a whole bunch of different things in, encompassed in there for these sort of experience-seeking players. Does that resonate with any of you guys? Well, instead of instead of saying, does do any of us think that we are, I think we should say, does that do we think anyone else here is a Timmy? <laughs> I think that I think we've all we're all drawn sometimes to the great big stupid unit, right? I mean, Ed, I know you're a bit allergic to this, actually. Yeah, this this doesn't always sit, but you do you quite like sort of lists where there's a sort of I like the mid-sized stupid unit, and then yeah, like the Catan, right? Your little Catan time of late is yeah. quite is a little bit like that. The sort of here's loads of Catan. <clears> as, as soon as you get out of the, I can run multiple of them. To I run one of them, and it's fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not for me. But what if it goes wrong? <laughs> I need redundancy in the form yeah, of yeah, yeah. six and copies that, of the exact same bullshit. That's where a slightly more measured voice is, is kicking in. <sighs> I don't know if it's measured. It's just a different sort of um, illness. Yeah. I definitely I do like explosions. I like when silly things happen in games. <laughs> example, example I had from this weekend is I learned literally during the game uh, an unfortunate combination, which is the Incubi Force Battle Shock when they go into combat. Demons heal when they pass Battle Shock. My Incubi went into a bunch of demon units that I'd whittled down to like a few wounds oh, each no. or a few models each. Three of these Brilliant. units healed back up, and then, and then I dropped the kills on two of them because I'd slightly misjudged it. They, Jesus, they all that's an amazing wounds. story. And I was just there, like, that's just the most incredible thing that's happened. <laughs> like, what, what a fantastic, unexpected, silly interaction. Um, and we both had a great time with it. So I can definitely appreciate them. 
I think for me, no, the 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 play aspect. Exciting. Sorry. No, you go. You go. Uh, I I think for me the play aspect when I'm at the table, this is probably more me uh, in terms of when I've done, I've written the list, I've worked out my game plan, mm. I know how I'm going to beat you. At this point, I'm like something exploded and did some stupid shit. Let's get a fucking chain reaction going. I'm loving this. Um, so that's like where the the aspects for me come in. I would say. Yeah, completely. And I think I think a lot of people with sort of good mentality or mentality I like are able to enjoy that experience whilst also being you know competitive and wanting to win the game. But I think not losing sight of that is a really important thing. So actually, I think we all want a bit of Timmy. You know, we all want a bit of that yeah. ability to enjoy the experience um, and feel like a good time. That's um, why we're here at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. We are we are here yeah. to experience experience a game with another per- another person yeah. um i think when it when we talk about the the big monsters and bits and bobs like that i think i was probably lying to myself a little bit when <laughs> i first started taking them because i yeah. think i was telling myself and and this is something i'll actually uh, come on to in a little bit when, when we talk kind of more widely but i was taking those monsters because i thought that i wanted to experience using something like that actually when i think about it i was taking those monsters because i knew they were not considered to be the most competitive thing in the world and actually i thought i would use it as an opportunity to express my skill as a player which would allow me to take something like that but still do well with it so actually when i came down to using it in a game it was relevant how whether it blew up or how cool it looked it was actually i'm going to use this and i am still going to do well um yeah. But no, I, exactly. I think if you no, asked me at the time, it was like, oh, I like big, cool, stompy things. Um, it's going to be great fun. Like, can you imagine? Play- no one, no one gets to play against the Storm Surge or a higher fan. Yeah. Um, Am I remembering correctly? You, know, you, your Valiant list didn't win a game for a year. Was that <laughs> six six you... months before six I did months, any six. better than two, three? Yeah. Okay, that's that's um, not quite as catastrophic as I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say words, and then I'm like, "What's the worst version?" The worst of this that he could have done it. Yeah. So there I was punching toddlers. <laughs> but I mean, I was only taking. The thing is, I was doing that. I was taking it to relatively small events, so I guess I wasn't taking it to big UKTC events where potentially the player standard is higher. So it probably, yeah, equivalent. Did the point where off. you worked out why you were doing it? coincide by any chance with when you started actually winning games i think to be fair i hadn't kind of analyzed psychoanalyzed myself to that level yet Ed, but actually i think That's there's fair. probably a link um to suggest that actually when you're a bit more honest with yourself you yeah. actually go okay now this is why i'm doing it so if i'm here actually to pr- to kind of demonstrate some skill as a player i need to up my game and i need to get more practice right. in, and i need to work out what the, how how this works because fundamentally i yeah. believe it can work how do i make it work um yeah. and that's something when there's a um, discord question that i was going to literally touch on that exact thing ed so um, that was very prescient of you i think that's where the, the get that's where other those other aspects the kind of uh, expressing or proving aspects are important because if someone has just put let's say a great big greater demon on the table because they think that's cool and they want to shove it as someone that is Timmy, that's experience. If they've looked at it, they've thought about the combinations, they've thought about the output, they've thought about how it goes into other things that are out there and how they're going to use it, at that stage they're well into expressing, improving, and all those other things. And actually, Hick, sorry, Hick Dead has comments in the, in the chat I just want to pick out, which is that more casual players have an army, want to use their models, and they get feel bads when they don't get the opportunity to use the things they had in the ways they thought they were going to do in the strategies they brought to the table. More hardcore players are good 
and fine with getting parts of their army wiped out and they can change and adapt to what's happening on the board. And I think that's absolutely true, Hitler. And again, I think that's where that experience versus um, expression and proving comes in because if your plan was bring the big monster and shove it forward and hopefully it's going to kill some stuff gloriously as you'd expect and then that doesn't happen, that's sad. If your plan was this is just a big asset that I'm using in X, Y, Z ways, then its death isn't that important and you can bounce back from it. And actually, it's often a big part of the plan, right? You've shoved a great uncleaner in the middle on purpose. You know it's going to die. That's part of what you're doing. Um, and but it's So I think that, again, that's where that distinction of the layers you we apply on top of this stuff as, as more competitive-minded players who are trying to express or prove things, I think perhaps set us aside a little bit. So that's a really, a really insightful way of looking at it. Because, yeah, that is a running theme of players I would term more casual, is they don't deal well with casualties. <laughs> it's, it's the brittleness of it. So yeah. I was very much like that as I was exploring, dipping my toes into being more competitive, that yeah. I'd go, but why isn't it working? And I, I, I wouldn't accept that it was me that was a fault. And it was the whole, I'm pushing it forward, I'm doing what I think it should be done with it, and it's dying, and I'm then losing the game because of it. What, what What's wrong? And it's that frustration yeah. not being able to make the connection that you kind of like, yeah. without understanding where it's going wrong you're then going to have that frustration then you go well it's obviously my opponent or some dice the famous one is always people go straight to the dice right they just go well, <laughs> yeah. obviously i should have rolled all those six up saves bloody uh, harley if you're out there you did get dice and you got dice. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's in, in the, the chat haywire yeah. hey, hey, killed three terminators with eight shots without any re-rolls absolute insanity complete insanity but I think uh, that's your that's Dakari it. dice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't. They weren't. <laughs> Need to check but them. That that is something interesting that I see as ATO. I see these different kind of categories collide at an event. Uh, I think, especially in yeah. the early rounds of an event where the pairings are more random, i.e., mm. someone who's a spike could get paired into a Timmy. And the spike, through no fault of their own, they're there. They're, they've come to an event for their reasons. They're perfectly entitled mm. to be there. They 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 want to go and win. They want to, they want to prove that they're very good at the game. All that sort of really important stuff. They paired into a Timmy, who's just brought his his three bane blades or whatever, and <laughs> just gets annihilated. Yeah, Timmy hasn't had a chance to have an experience in that point. Spike has proved something in that he can just utterly annihilate a player and progress further in the event, which is brilliant. That's what that's one of the main main motivations for a lot of people to go to events, isn't it? To go to go and do well and and prove yeah. that they're uh, they're a half decent player. But Timmy's left sitting there going, "Well, hang on a minute. I thought this was supposed to be something that the two of us were kind of working yeah. together in, and I brought all my nice toys, and they've all just been destroyed, and I'm feeling a bit down because yeah. I've just been annihilated." So it's, I think it's really important at that point, then hopefully the pairing system starts yeah. matching people who are there for similar reasons. Or in, I, I don't know whether it matches category to category, whether that actually works out in reality. But in theory, you start matching people with the same mindset if mindset is linked to performance, which I don't know yeah. if it is or not. Completely. And I think that's that's where there's different kinds of spikes as well, because I think some people enjoy those kinds of games more than others, right? I think some people feel like they've got some sense of validation out of a win like that. And I think others others don't. So, you know, I know a lot of our team don't take much pleasure in those kind of games and don't see It's a hollow victory, right? Like, what's the value in it? Like, exactly, yeah, it's just, it is just a mismatch of, of what people are seeking to get from the game. So there's not much to learn from it, right? Um, and so if you're interested in seeing the game at that level of what we're trying to solve and prove and compete at the top, you don't really, that's not data that's of any use to anyone in that struggle, is it? It's just, it's just a thing that happened, an outlier, really. Um, so it's quite sad in that sense. 
Um, Harley says, is Lewis referring to me being done in, in, in most games within an hour? Harley, you, all your games finish pretty quickly, mate. <laughs> 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 but again, so when we take Harley as an example, Harley is someone who is a competitive player and is very interested in demonstrating his ability with the game and his list writing and his play. And that's what he does. And he does that very well. Right? And, I and I don't think Harley should ever need to apologize for being that kind of player. That's what he is. And also having played him, he's a very lovely sporting gent. So he's, you know, he's not, there's no sort of malice with that. It's just how he sees and expresses the game. I think to an extent, our captain's a bit like that, right? I think Chris is quite a competitive player in how he sees it and thinks about it. Really, he not, doesn't tend to sort of get sidetracked by anything too sort of fluffy or nostalgic in what he's doing. He's always very good at just getting on and taking, you know, the right things. Um, and he insists forward. on playing scoring heavy armies, despite yeah. my attempts to make him run big, stupid units. Yeah. Uh, so we have that moment on the show every few months where we we'll tease him for moving. But in terms of playing and performing well, he's doing exactly the right thing at the right time, almost almost every single time, right? You know, and he doesn't doesn't waste time sort of doing other things. So I think that's one of the things. And every now and again, he does get sidetracked and become a world eater's main or everything else. <laughs> 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 I think right, what, Ed, what Ed just said there yeah. about um, yeah. taking the scoring units, Chris is clearly trying to express himself. So going down the Johnny category yeah. with yeah. the armies he's taking, he's not simply yes. just trying to prove that he's good at Warhammer. He's trying no. to say, actually, I can demonstrate here that even though I'm taking an army that's considered meta when we're talking about Eldari or whatever, he was always taking something that wasn't quite what, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. would suggest the meta exactly should be. It was still a very yeah. strong army, clearly going to do very well, and obviously did perform very well at multiple events. But he was taking stuff that allowed him to express himself as a player, yes. which was a lot more focused on how the how the scoreboard looked at every single turn, yeah. rather than how his opponent's army looked at the end of every single turn. Oh, completely turn. that. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point, because that's a big distinction between how some do provide his army, other people like to just win on the score, and that's that's a different style. Like my my favorite has always been. I have nothing left at the end of the one again. I love that. I had a game just like that this weekend where I had five cabalites left against Josh French at the end. That was it, and I won the game by a decent margin. I'm like, that is my favorite game. That's my perfect <laughs> game. That's exactly how I like every game to go. You you prove something, you killed the shit out of me. I've proved it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So let's let's go to Johnny. So that's I think I think a lot of us have elements of this, but so Johnny is there to express something. So that can be interesting builds and designs. It can be demonstrating their skill or finesse in play and building. It can be about combinations, unusual picks and choices. So if we're thinking about this for 40k specifically, this can be people who want to build their own lists, put their own choices in. They dislike just net listing or immediately copying other lists that are out there, and they dislike being perceived as such as well. Um, it can also be about hobbies, so painting, conversions, unique ideas and schemes. John, we're looking at you, mate. You know, John is a very, very skilled painter and converter, and is constantly putting out new things. Um, it can also be about, yeah, you know, it can be about unusual builds that have particular constraints, so like a particular theme. You know, I'm just going to run pure homunculus covens or something like that. Um, but there's, yeah, this is, I guess, where the more creative side comes out. And I think the important thing with this is that, that this can very much be a very competitive exercise, right? But it can also be completely not. What do you reckon to that, category? It's in equal measures where it could be a really informed secret source unit that you're bringing out that no one else has spotted yet, or there's a reason why no one else has brought it out yet, and you're just finding that out by taking it to the table. So yeah. it can be a double-edged sword, right? I, I've done that a lot. Like, I went... 1-2 an RTT at the beginning of 10th 
because I took the lion in Gladius with a load of blade guard. Yeah. If I'd if I'd played on the clock in one of my games, it would have been the two one. But even then, that that's not an event winning list. But it was a great exercise in trying it, and because I went in knowing that I was expressing and trying something different, my own personal kind of like expectations weren't kind of sitting there very brittly, kind of me clinging onto it, hoping that I just don't get like it all just knocked away. There was actually yeah. a chance I could actually, if it did well, great. If it didn't, eh. <laughs> Yeah. It's that's that personal expectation, I think. And early in my career, I'd take a list and go, this isn't working. And I was brittle because of it. And I didn't like it. And I got very upset. And then I would, yeah. I'd blame my own player skill. When in reality, player skill with a shite list means <laughs> unless you're a really good player, you're not going to do is, well with that, that list. That's the reality of it. Right? And there's a reason. I mean, a lot of the very best players in the game will tell you, run the well-known established stuff first and work out where you're at in terms of how good you are and then oh, yeah. express yourself because if you're trying to express yourself before you've got all the basics of being a good player you don't know what's you needing to get better and what's just having a, a less optimal concept yeah. right? so I, I can totally understand that way of thinking about and just to uh, just to make a firm not at all inflammatory statement you're not good enough to work out what's, uh, you know, the the thing that's nobody else has noticed. There's very few people <laughs> who are, um, like, let, let's let's be honest. You know how most of the top lists end up sort of coming about. Someone will notice something. They will talk about it to their close group of friends. Someone in that will talk to someone else, yeah. and then someone about six down the line goes shit, why didn't I look at that data sheet? Hold on, yeah, if I yeah, do yeah. this, 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 and this, then they'll play it 10 times, and uh, you know, then you'll go to LGT, and Chaos Space Marines will win, and nobody saw yeah. it coming, apart from the people who did. <laughs> no, completely, and that's that's where I think I think possibly in the, the internet age that we live, expression, especially at a competitive level, is actually quite difficult, because there's only so many options, and everyone is talking about everything that's discovered instantaneously all the time, which does make it finding genuinely good and powerful new combinations can be quite tricky. So it's not always easy to do. Also, I think the game in general has slightly less by way of wombo combos and layers of rules you can stack on top of each other these days than it used to have. But it is, I think, for a lot of people, a very important part of it. We, we certainly have a whole ton of players in our team who prefer to do something that they've settled on one way or the other to what is, <laughs> in that moment, established as, as the thing they should be doing. Great example is Paul James on the weekend oh, with the Stormlands. Advancing charge in Blooming Dark Angels. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. The tragedy with that list is that he didn't get to play me because I cannot stress enough how well ready for me he was. It was so beautifully designed. He had little five mans with melter pistols everywhere. I was going to be demect and killed in about three turns. He did it to Patrick because he hit Patrick's Drakari and I watched that game. I was like, yeah, I'm just oh, completely gosh. done if I play Paul. But unfortunately, he didn't get the matchup. I think turn two into Patrick, he has sh- there was twenty turns in Patrick's <laughs> The Paul yeah. James special, <laughs> and at least one of yeah. them got there for an eleven-inch charge. Nobody's told me that. Yeah, I just know it, it was because he was saying about it. It was like everything was above ten. It seemed like oh, monster. Havoc in the chat says I fit this category pretty well. I run a Zinch Chaos Lord. That is a neat little thing to have done. <laughs> what, is, what does what Zinch give you in CSM? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up and then I'm gonna judge you. Continue with the show. Think about Ed. So if we think about your list when you had all the Chaos Knights, but you had the Great Unclean one in there, 
that's yeah, quite yeah. this, right? That's an example of expression that has a very competitive undertone because there's something that genuinely stacks really well in that. You knock all the toughness down, so all, your, all suddenly all your guns go really well into a couple of different armies. And it was something you'd thought out really well. But on surface level, that also just yeah. looks like a really quirky thing to have done with your time, right? <laughs> yeah, I think if I'd um, if I'd actually practiced more going into LGT, I wouldn't have taken it. But I think for what I was going in with, the, so let's let's just briefly talk about weird off-meta flares. You yeah. know what it does? It makes people really uncomfortable, and yeah. that is in itself very strong. So yeah. I went into LGT having played fuck all games because I was super burnt out in tenth. I went, I won. A small, meaningless RTT with Eldar. This is like kicking a baby. Why am I doing this? And, I'm the baby. And Leave me I, alone. I was also <laughs> one of the babies. Uh, we had a, no. You were playing GSC, so we had a close competitive game. We um, did on supply drop, where I yeah. went first. Great times, great times, and I swept a flank with Wraithguard. But yes, enough reminiscing. Oh, uh, <laughs> such skill, such good times, good times. <laughs> because I played probably like four or five games going to LGT. I can't remember the exact, but it wasn't a lot. I was like, okay, Chaos Knights plays itself. Um, great and clean one. I think this does a fun thing. I think it's good. I paired it with the Burning Chariot as well, because I was like, I'm just going to really maximize these brigands. going to drop your toughness, going to reduce your cover. I'm going to hit you with loads of strength six and strength 12. This seems good. And was it good? It was fine. Uh, it turns out just more more of the efficient data sheets is really good. Like now I'm fully on the six carnivores at all times. Maybe drug some brigands. Like, fuck it. I don't care. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was going back. That's just a good example of, you know, innovation for innovation's sake as opposed oh, to yeah. being worthwhile. Which I'm always very good to. The trademark for me is always, are there like two more characters in here than there should absolutely be? And I'm always doing that. So I just love Here's 1850 points of a good list and then yeah. some bullshit. Yeah, I just um, love that. I just love talk about a, my list generation, Ed. I, yeah, no, I, I mean, the three of us are definitely yeah. guilty of that. I think Lewis <laughs> is probably just right. Just, oh, I've got 50 points extra. Actually. I'll put in an extra character. Yeah, Lewis's Tau list at Teams is a good example. Oh. Again, it looks quirky. It's got a storm surge in there. But again, if you think about how it works, you can't just take bring it down and homers against it, which is what everyone that ever yeah, plays against Tau these days has conditioned themselves to do. So suddenly they're in a position where they're like, how the hell do I play against Tau if I can't do that? In a very different position. So again, it's smart, but it's mm. also interesting. I just need to uh, to jump back in here. Havoc says um, about the Zeech Chaos Lord, he says it's not yep. good, it's purely flavour. I'm no longer judging you, you do you. That sounds great. <laughs> he does say you can regenerate Terminators in the block with the stratagem. So I see, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not nothing. Um, and it's a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I get you. But as I say, that's, that's an example. You've thought about it. You've seen what's in there. You're, you're not just doing it because you have got some law where your particular Chaos Lord it's is, painted a, is a Zinch follower. <laughs> He's got like a Thousand Suns helmet. You, there's a bit more to it than that. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting and you can see how these different things kind of intersect. Right. Okay. Let's go to our final type. Let's go to our spikes. So spikes start out to prove something. They want to demonstrate how good at the game they are, how, how their understanding of the meta uh, they've you know, have probably have a reputation in the community that they want to maintain, credentials. They're very interested in the outcomes in particular, what is achieved, um, as well as reputation. So this can be about innovating, and spikes do innovate, but also they are not necessarily very attached to creating. They're very happy to just take something good and use it and demonstrate they're good with it. Um, they're very happy to borrow armies. They're not, they're not like specialists. They're not particularly attached to one army most of the time, though there is an important caveat, which is that 
chasing after best in faction can very much be a spike thing, right? You want to be the best. You want to be the number one in a particular category. But you've just set yourself limits to what you're trying to prove in that sense. And so you'll get people in that camp who are innovators. You get plenty of people who would do what we call net listing. They're very happy to go and get their ideas from other people. As Let's face it, most of us do, even our analysts as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a good chunk of spike is in all of us, right? <laughs> I think I'm definitely a spike when it comes to yeah. what I want out of an event. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably more of a Johnny when it comes to what I do in terms of list creation. So yeah. I think yeah. once I I'm actually at an event, I'm, I have a very spike mindset. Prior to it, it's a very much more expressive mindset. Um, yeah. I think we've we've chosen poorly because that's all four of us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're all the same. Yeah, but it's, I think this this one, I guess, yeah, if we're in a competitive world, which we are, there's yeah, some degree of this is always there. I think I've become more like it with time, probably even in like the last year and a half. I don't think I would have cared about much of the things I care about now in terms of placings and rankings and stuff that I do genuinely follow and keep an eye on now in a way that I just did not care about at all when I was first playing this game. But that's, a, that's more of a reinforcement thing where like you achieve yeah. a couple of things and then you're like, oh, I liked that. I'd like to yeah. do that again. I'd, oh, now it doesn't feel as good when I don't do that so and th this is a cycle i think a lot of players do get caught up in um, and i guess this is where in many ways this is where you're sort of meta chasing and the, the the sales mechanism of the game comes in because our game is changing all the time so the criteria you need to meet to achieve the sets of things that we associate with achievement in this game so your four ones or your five o's your podiums your rankings if you're going to keep achieving those you often need to jump from thing to thing to thing to thing because that's how the game works um, and so that's a big part of being, I guess, a sort of very top of the game, kind of competitive game. I guess if that's 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 the case, if what you're out to prove is that you're the best player, period. Exactly. I think if if you've got if you're out to prove that you're a good player, or as you say, go for the best in faction or something like that, I think it still applies. It's just you you've got to set your what you're trying to prove yourself, haven't you? Completely. Um, Completely. I, you I, have to have a bit more control. <laughs> No, definitely. Like, I, I personally, I can't stand that listing. I understand why people do it because it's yeah. why why do all that work for yourself. So, I wouldn't feel like I'd achieved anything if I say took if I took Eldari at the start of tenth edition and won loads of events with it. I could win a yeah. super major with it or win a big GT with it, and I don't know that I'd feel I'd actually achieved anything. Not you don't. Maybe. It's very hollow. But exactly. Yeah, but that was a small event. And I, I don't want to take anything away from the players that do that because obviously, yeah, very, I do. regardless of how good your list is, <laughs> it takes a lot of skill to go and win one of those events and, and win seven games in a row, or whatever it is. There's there's a nah. there, there's a lot in that. Not with release elder. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, at some point, you come up against other release elder. Um, yeah. So you come up to, against someone. Yeah, that's no, exactly that. There is there is the mirror. Set, then you just need your elder dice. And to go first and delete their race nights before they delete yours. I, mean, I guess and that, that kind of reinforces the point that what is the achievement. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. there's, for me personally, I feel like there's more to prove by taking something that isn't quite as good and doing well with it. Yeah. Um, but Completely. I guess one of the ways you do that is by deciding a list that's that's off meta and you're expressing yeah. yourself in your list design. What you're I've, trying I've to got achieve. Two, two experiences that in some ways very similar, but actually completely different. I kind of highlight this. Which I came second at a GT with release Harlequins. And mm. all I came away from that feeling was not only have you done this awful thing to everyone at this event, you've also not managed to win. 
you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you complete because yeah. Lee Churchwood absolutely did me in round three, as as only Lee can. Um, and and then but then this weekend, where again I really wasn't going to win it, but then won it with Drakari, who I loved a bit, and who are sort of in a perfectly good spot, but not like game breaking. That feels much much better. That's a much better time and application. I enjoy enjoy those kinds of outcomes significantly more. Uh, I know uh, our own Lee Jones, when he was <laughs> running Creations of Bio in his first GT win, was texting us in the chat like, Mike Costello is outplaying me in every conceivable way, and he literally cannot win. <laughs> and it was just that situation of just, the, the army was just so jacked. And so he came away feeling like, oh, you know, I feel a little bit dirty for that as well. Um, and so, there, yeah, there's, there's different ways of proving yourself with the games. When the games in certain states were all very quick to... Um, remove credit from people doing well as well <laughs> right wonderful i mean i think those are the main strands i wanted to cover with that i think there's lots of interesting stuff in there to think about if you're interested in what what you're interested in why you play the game what it is you're looking to get um, and i would be interested in getting in your thoughts as a group on whether you think there's anything that tournament organizers can do to create an event or an environment which caters to all three of those player types is there anything you think to should be doing that they're not doing now or examples of where they are doing it to to create an environment that actually if you're a timmy you still feel as welcome as a spike even at a, an event it's pretty know, easy, I think. 400 yeah. players and then all the uh, the similarly unskilled players <laughs> congregate at the bottom. <laughs> so, big shout to Zach, putting on the best <laughs> casual event. <laughs> You're a bad man. You're a bad, bad man. I'm not saying that in a negative way. But I, I think, I mean, large events do form their sort of strata within them, mm-hmm. so that kind of helps naturally. And what you're hoping in most of those cases is that people only have one game in a weekend where they're like in the wrong matchup of mindsets, right? But I think, I mean, I think it's it's like you do with yours, this where you set out what your ethos is and what you want, and you talk up what you think is important. And then, I mean, so again, we take the cross section of the people that were there. You've got a bunch of very competitive players that all brought stuff that is not the thing you'd be taking if you were looking to smash everyone and win all your games, right? I just don't think anyone did that you know you know even sort of the armies that were competing up at the top it was it was demons nids gray knights drakari none of those are the thing everyone is saying is going to win everything right there's there's a few contenders in there but there's nothing so everyone's self-censored really um and so that's that's just a result of you pushing that and having that that vision i think so i think it's how events frame themselves and get the culture going um and then yeah the larger ones i guess yeah you just just have different communities almost coexisting within them but i think i think you, because events do contain all of these different types of ways of expressing themselves i think one of the things you can do is just reward those different things so where that's where things like best painted come in sportsmanship award comes in all those different things they they represent and vindicate different ways of being and thinking about what matters right um, so I think that's really good. Uh, I do think, and this is, I'm not going to um, make you embody this because I have a vested interest now, but I think probably not having space points if you wanted to go very chilled and fun 
would actually be one way Isn't of that ensuring not start that. excluding the kind of spike and exactly it does the... exactly yeah. it does and i want those space points so don't do that okay. um but it's but if you, if you were if you were pushing to go away from that bit of the spectrum that's one obvious direction mm. that you go right don't have ranking points going. here's the thing do you like selling tickets to your events and being able to afford well, to there we all? go which don't in, do that then in, a, in and of itself tells you that perhaps a significant number of those going have a lot of spike in them whatever they might think of oh, 100 and i think i think that there, there is a world where all three categories could coexist quite happily and have a engaging and fun time it's, yeah it's just making sure people are trying to do that and doing it i guess with open minds yeah there's a few people talking about narrative campaigns in the chat i love a narrative campaign and i'm well up for it john does the warzone fast i love that stuff i really really enjoy it it's extremely fun um yeah apparently there's a narrative at lgt this coming year yes Quite fun. Um, anything with a big map gets my vote. Just do a big map and I'll be there. I'll play. If you tell me I can have a little tiny meaningless bit of coloured territory on the paper, I'll go nuts and just have the best time ever. So that's. So, I mean, that. I, I, it comes back to what Ed was just saying. I, I tried yeah. that and no one bought any tickets. I, yeah. I, I, I'd lost a lot of money on that event yeah, because yeah, yeah. I fired the hall and couldn't get enough people to turn up to, to actually want to go. To be fair, that yeah. was the result of a three-month psyop that I uh, I put on. <laughs> it's like, guys, guys, he's a real dickhead. Don't, don't buy his ticket. Break him spiritually. Break him mentally. Um, unfortunately, I picked up Magic the Gathering after that. And now I don't have time to ruin your life and play Warhammer. So. <laughs> I think what have I been feeling so much better recently? <laughs> There's often that element as well that I think your 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 more casual kind of relaxed play, your, your sort of your tip one uh, those sorts of end of the scale, mm. often are almost lying to themselves that they don't want to see how well they do, mm. but then get upset when they do badly and get the wooden spoon. So ironically, by having the space points and stuff like that, they still it's like those guys are coming in their little club. It's who's the best out of their club, and it's their own little kind of ranking system yeah. almost at the bottom. So it's yeah. sometimes having that stuff kind of still caters to. And that's where end. recognizing, as we've been doing a lot across this episode, that actually you have elements of all of these yeah. kicking about within it's Whether you. you admit it to yourself as well. That's I think, so I think that's, that's self kind of awareness. Like there was a time where I would have gone, I'm not much of a spike. In reality, the spike has taken over. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Came back after my little break, and my my kind of thing was like, I want to do better. What is so. making me not do better? And it was like, it's because I keep making stupid decisions. Stop making so many stupid decisions in less building. You can just blame your own performance at the tabletop and blame the dice. Done. Yeah, I think fun. I think tenth edition is very much set up for that, isn't it? It's yeah. I think it's probably the most competitive edition of 40k that we've had, um, arguably. Um, uh, in number nine. of players, sure, but rule sets. Mm. Ninth was the, uh, the the peak and the pinnacle, I think. I don't know. This feels this, this It feels very. This film very aimed at creating a competitive experience in terms of the game. Hold on, okay. hold on. Let me let me get off my soapbox so I can get back back on my soapbox. Um, absolutely <laughs> fucking not. The game is so easy <laughs> to play right now. Like, <laughs> I've I've lost to people with. 
mind-numbing hangovers, which is something that <laughs> has never happened to me before. Like there, you can't. There is a limit to how much primary you can deny because you get primary for waking up and turning up to the event, uh, and then the secondary game is so dog shit that you can go. I'm gonna take these two secondaries. Oh, I got almost all my points. I'm very skilled at the game. Well, have you know? Maxim to play teleport homers is really hard sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what came over me there. I, I take it you much. don't agree then, Ed. Um, I think there's a, respectfully, there's a, no. There's a competitive element of player who at the moment would feel that the overall design of the game doesn't give you enough space to prove yourself. Or, or indeed to express yeah. yourself on the yeah. Well, perhaps then it's me linking the ability to to have that variety, which has gone in terms of like list ideas and stacking. Yeah, I think in that like sense, that. It's quite I link that. that more to kind of a narrative feel than a competitive feel. It feels like because the game is simpler. Yeah, there's less yeah, caters to a wider audience. Outside, it's more about turning up and doing well on the day rather yeah. than coming up with a weird combo that no one's ever thought of. But what, what's interesting in that is that you can read both those things exactly the same. Right? Yeah. So you can mm. you can read the layers of rules that Ninth, for example, had as what they were trying to do in many ways was give you really cool ways to play whatever plague company you wanted and tell the story mm. about the rock bringers or whatever the hell it was. Mm. What they did in practice was give you 10 million different ways to break the game. Yeah. And both those things coexisted. And as you said, Tenth is more simplified in that sense, which means there's slightly less options for narrative flavour right now. For but now. also, it is, I think, from a comp standpoint, that means there's also way less room for showing off as well. <laughs> um, Simon Harris says, cleanse and homers, pro player detective. <laughs> I've just seen that there's an RTT in driving distance to me um, this week, this Saturday. So I've, I've messaged, well, I've messaged uh, Craig, who uh, is also free because we were planning on playing on Saturday. It's like, hey, you want to see if we can get tickets to this? So I'm collecting all of my sword and board custodies that I just have lying around going, right, I don't have the list that I want to play, but what if we just play the cleanse teleport homers list? Uh, because I think that has legs and I do have 30 of them with sword and board. So let's see. Go and do it. Go and do 60 it. legs. Um, Hick Dead says, play the game you want, understand that others gain enjoyment from it in different ways, and that's all good. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think there's an extent yeah. to which the point is not to try and corral everyone off in different groups and reorganize everybody. It's to just be at peace with those moments where different types of player interact and play games across those different things and just understand what is happening better and then be more relaxed about it. Um, Havoc says, I somewhat disagree, and I cite Middle Earth Strategy Battle as an example. I feel, it, feel less satisfied as a narrative player intent, even despite simple rules. MESVG has more rules and caters to narrative. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I do understand. It feels like they've designed Probably this. Edition. Also so there you go. Yeah. They've very much designed it to deal, uh, to kind of give you a game system for your average, sort of the big majority that they think yeah. there is, whether that is. The big majority so that the kind of top end competitive is a very small percentage of their player base mm -hmm. so not keeping them 100 happy isn't necessarily their their biggest goal as a company perhaps it's it's that big fat middle you want right if you're there yeah. all happy engaged and buying it's, that's where the company's making money right i don't think it's necessarily a competitive casual divide um no. which is very fitting for this episode yeah. Yeah. i think <laughs> but they're aiming for people who play two games a year like you, yeah. the, it's very easy to do. It's you know paint by numbers to make a list. It's paint by numbers to to play the game. Um, yeah. You you can if you play this game beer and pretzels, 
without you know setting up narrative campaigns or something you know you play once every six weeks or something with your mates in the garage when you can get an evening away with a babysitter or whatever um i think this set of rules is really good for you at the start of 10th i described it to the games workshop manager as um great if you play three games or less a year anything more than that is like eating broken glass uh, and they have absolutely improved it so it's not quite that bad but yeah I don't know. I feel I feel there's an element in Games Workshop that they've tried to aim 10th edition at the esports scene in a way that they've mm-hmm. never done before. And whether they've see, succeeded see, or not, Ed, I think we could argue about see, whether they've succeeded or not. See, that's such a stupid sentence that I think you might be right. I think by simplifying it and cutting out the options and cutting out a lot of the kind of guff around the outside, whether we like that guff or not, mm. I think they've created a game that, as you say, anyone, regardless of level of experience, can walk up to it and look at it and see what's going on and understand what's going on. That feels like that's very much aimed at someone who turns on YouTube and watches a live-streamed game or something like that. Yeah. I don't know whether, they, as you say, playing it, I don't know whether that's necessarily what they've aimed at, but I think they've, they're trying to create something that they can, they can export to a much wider audience through... Yeah things like streaming and through that kind of sports scene sure. yeah. where 40k hasn't been before because Lady i think in its previous iterations where you've had loads of options and silly combos and all sorts going on yeah. it's very difficult to kind of call that and understand what's going on when there are 10 million options but when there's only a couple of options i think it's a lot easier to kind of export it as an experience if that makes sense absolutely, absolutely. Jack Asher says it's still far too complex for streaming. I mean, ultimately, yeah, three, it's a three-hour game. Right. It's a shit spectator sport. Yeah, and exactly. they, they need never... to do something else if that's their aim, if they want to get on big screens. They would. They, the game would need to play in 45 minutes. And, like, and not Combat and Patrol. League of Legends and all the other big esports. <laughs> if that's what they really want to do, it needs I did, to be 45 I did minutes. a little bit of casting in ninth edition, which was great, and I had so much fun. You know who I think enjoyed me casting? Me. He uh, was... <laughs> particularly get anything from it probably not just because they're like either you can understand what's going on yeah. no it's, it's not even that it's like you can either understand what's going on yeah. by looking at the models and what's happening and hearing the players or what why are you watching it yeah. so it's like did i add anything no did i have a great time fuck yeah uh mikey hit me up again i'd love to do some more casting for you <laughs> yeah completely so you can't just sit down and tune to the middle of the game as if it were golf or cricket where it's immediately obvious what's going on. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. It's often quite difficult to judge game state, isn't it? Um, we're going to move to listener questions now. If you have questions, you can chuck them in the chat. They are very, very welcome. As ever, if you want to give us a nice thing, you can uh, super chat in there as well, and we'll always welcome those kinds of donations. It's nice supporting what we do. Um, but do check your questions in. Um, I haven't got my phone to look at the Discord, so I'm going to go and do that. Someone dig up a question whilst I do that. Bye. Right. And then more importantly, don't forget to like the video below us here. Like at the moment there is like, like share, there's some people watching. If if thirty of you haven't liked it, I'm heartbroken. So, Guys, only X percent of our viewers actually subscribe. It would really help us out. Grow this community. If you could click <laughs> the buttons, do the thing, ring that bell. Um, and give us this is money, the, ideally. This uh, is the um, YouTuber does the plug sarcastically to make it seem more relatable angle. Uh, I hope it worked. Right. So one of us. One of us. So the first question that's in uh, the Discord, that uh, it's actually quite a good one actually, to have today, is uh, given on ha- it's uh, T Marty Party. 
in brackets Thomas, given how much competitive Warhammer is reliant on volunteers, is there an expectation that top-level players give back to the community in some way, e.g. organising events, TOing, teaching new players how to play? If there isn't this expectation, should there be? And then he, I think he get, went on to clarify. I did kind clarify, of... yeah. I asked him a follow-up question on that because I was I was interested in what he thought about where he thought the kind of volunteering yeah. aspect came in. And I think he notes talking about TOs that, that just run events for fun and not not there from a kind of business perspective. Um, the and the idea that a lot of TOs seem to have people helping them out, which clearly you need, um, and sometimes that they get referred to as volunteers at the start of an event when we're kind of shouting everybody out and things like that so um i uh, obviously clearly have some opinions here um, <laughs> i personally don't think there should be an expectation that top players should be volunteering i don't think people should be forced to volunteer i, I don't necessarily i think if you're being forced to volunteer i don't necessarily think that creates the right atmosphere but i think it is important that we all do think about how we give back to our communities that we're part yeah. of um yeah. however if an event is there to make a profit so take zach events take my events my events do make money we should not be having volunteers at our events if we're making money out of them. Yeah. So if I'm making a profit out of my yeah. event, anyone that helps me set up or helps me tear down or makes teas and coffees all weekend is either paid or given free tickets mm. or do commission painting for, we work out an agreed value and that's then delivered. So uh, Matt, the guy that helped me set up on Friday, he got a ticket for the event for free. He gave a couple of hours of Friday and he, and he got his event event ticket completely for free. So we argue whether that's a fair deal or not. I don't know, but um, that's no, how I've really done it. really hard for me to come up with a counter-argument to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, hold on, hold on. I just don't think it's appropriate for any TO, and perhaps I don't know whether I'm putting myself no, out of him or not. The no. economics on this are all far event, too sound yeah. and well thought out. No. It's not, it's <laughs> no, not no, going to no, suddenly no. start no. being an arch capitalist. Let me reread <laughs> Das Capital. I'll get <laughs> back to you in two hours. <laughs> so I think, I think that, the, you go, John, you go. So I was going to say the only reason I think kind of a community leader or someone that's kind of leading kind of a group should maybe get involved with running events is purely for them maintaining and building their local community. Yeah. So less about a profiteering, running it as a business thing, but more if you're liking your established clubs just picked up Wargaming and like specifically 40K, for example, and you want them to play that, the best way to get them engaged and playing it more often is to make them play three games or five games across a weekend. So yeah. it's to everyone's benefit. So I think in that scale of things, rather than being the top players, like someone winning a super major, they, they don't owe anyone anyone. They paid their ticket price. Like, yeah. But if you're your local guy and some of your guys are enjoying playing a crusade, but you can see that they're all kind of biting at the ankles of almost bringing net lists, that's then when you have that conversation yourself, maybe we should be trying to explore the competitive angle. Yeah. And that is in its nature. And I think that's where communities can grow. And then as a result, people actually maybe play the game they want to. I do think there is also there's something and we have sort of talked about this at the start, but there is something very genuine in the sort of grassroots element of this as well, though. And I do think that matters. And that's kind of with, with this whole going to one small event for every big one I go to, that is something yeah. that for me is all about that. So I was looking back on, well, in a few years, I've gone from playing down the road at a local place to being on this mad UK circuit where you go to all these different places. Yeah. And that journey has been really nice and I've enjoyed all the different steps of it. But I think the way, as far as I can see, 
there is a very real risk if if the top bit of that circuit eats all the rest of it and people don't have those smaller little events to go to in the small small little community base dies off or withers i don't want that to happen so i think that's something where i guess like with any tiered tiered system in terms of the size and scale and money of a system you have it with football you have it with all sorts of sports where that's where if we have a responsibility i think it is in making sure those other steps of that circuit continue to function and yeah. to thrive because we want new players to have places to go where they feel welcome and they can get started a lot of new people are very daunted at the idea of going off to a 400 person event in coventry for their weekend but they might very well go down the road and go to a nice hall in saffron walden and play against a bunch of nutters down there right so i think that's that nutters being the operative word yeah oh, <laughs> how many beers by lunchtime was it for a couple oh, of players God, yeah we have we have a few uh, we have a few squaddies in our, uh, <laughs> our local area so they, i they, thought they were very well behaved they could they were, honestly i've got you can't see anyone drink beer like the british army so quite terrifying yeah your point on your local club i think i think every, every single local club that i'm ever aware of that isn't based in a shop yeah. is entirely reliant on volunteers to yeah. set up those events, run those every single week that everyone shows up to play games, all run by volunteers, yeah. all managed by volunteers, all the finances done by volunteers. So those entire kind of local club environment that Tom, you relied on to, to get to where you are now yeah, or, or exactly. to get you started is entirely run by volunteers. So I think if, if you're in a position where you have the time and you have the inclination to think about giving something back to the community that's taken you to where you are now as a player, i.e. people in this, in, in our chat, going to events and, and enjoying that sort of thing. Yeah. If you have that time, you have that inclination, you should definitely get in, back in touch with your local club that started you off or that you still go to on a regular basis and say, how can I help? Can I yeah. do the setup once a month or something like that? Because I'm sure there'll be people who run those clubs that turn up at six o'clock every Wednesday and don't go home till half 11 midnight every wednesday yeah. Yeah. getting tables out getting boards out so that other people can come along and have fun at their yeah. little clubs so i think anything you could do if you've got the time obviously I don't, I don't want to force people to do things but if you've got the time then then definitely do it and and that's the sort of thing where success breeds success so we've kind of done it a bit yeah. backwards in saffron world and the success of the saffron slam has created a community that now warrants a weekly club so yeah, well, that's awesome. every other week so we it's meet every other week thing, now. and if it like works actually, it works yeah 100 yeah, yeah. And, and players are bought into that and I think we've got 10 players coming on on this on tomorrow to come to our come to our second club night and that's going to go really, really I'm well. I'm a bit annoyed you put it on Wednesdays because that clashes with Sons of War here. That's very annoyed. Yes, we did. We did. Oh, was that the Cambridge War that. Games? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right, John, what's our next question? Because every time so, I look at my phone, my internet struggles. Right, so <laughs> um, team, uh, team Marty Party had a follow-up with uh, with Manny's winning custodies list. What leaders would you pair with which squads and why? I think Connor fielded it, but advance yeah. and charge guys go on the big slabs of four up field pain because yeah. you're just going to yeah. yeet them in the middle straight away and you want to do that. And being able to advance and charge helps with that general plan. That list yeah. shoves itself straight at you, pops all its defences and then runs you over if you don't kill it, which, spoilers, you don't. Yeah, that, I had that, that on, on Friday, a similar list. And yeah. it was not fun because it just sits there and even if, you don't, if it doesn't yeah. kill you, it kills you quicker than you can do anything to it. Yeah, unless That's you're really the, prepared. The Johnny and me just dies a bit inside when it conceptualizes a list like that, but it is incredibly effective. Yeah. <laughs> Especially really? if you spike your saves. 
Oh, the, God, the easy answer is all of the characters go in all of the warden bricks, of which you run three. <laughs> so you run three characters, and yeah. then you run Kyria Draxis, who is here, and she <laughs> goes in a squad of guardian because she then gets to uh, reroll all wounds and double tap <laughs> once per game. So uh... yeah, very fun. Yeah, very very fun. Sweet. Then, nice then we got Ultimate Funk has said, "When do you think it's time to move on from a list idea?" So let's say you've played a couple of test games and tweaked it a bit lost 80-60-ish into solid matchups. Is there a point that you should move on from that archetype or is it more nuanced? Um, if both results are 90-20, would you definitely bet it? That's a really interesting one. Anyone want to I go think... <laughs> if you If you are confident in your ability to understand what is good, um, the answer is you look at your games you work out what went well, you work out what the flaws were, and you think, does that matter? Can I fix the flaws? Does it take yeah. away from the strengths of the list? Um, I think the actual score doesn't matter. I lose most of my test games because I will go, oh, I'm doing something new for the first time, and then I'll do something stupid. Yeah. I go, then when I play the, the game back, I'm like, cool, so if I don't do this, it continues on as it should have done. Yeah. I then win this matchup. By 15 points, yada yada. And Basically, running into your teammates is a big part of learning how to play another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. To me, it's iterating. So, like, if yeah. if there's a, a unit that hasn't worked and it isn't matchup dependent, so say I took Bladeguard on Friday into Aaron's Custodies, that was not good in that matchup. Doesn't mean it's not good in the list. Mm -hmm. So, iterating stuff that it doesn't matter what matchup. If it's definitely not working in in several games, tweak that. Like to me, if it's if you're only losing by sort of 20 points, that's within kind of a reasonable parameter to me. Like yeah. that just suggests to me a bad couple of primary turns. So yeah. just tweaking it a bit and not giving up on it. And that's where having good context for where an army and a build is at and asking people who know these things that is really useful as well. So we had an example with the mentoring where Patrick messaged and was like, oh, I've just got beaten by Tau. Am I doing X, Y, Z wrong? And it's like, no, you're not. You just played Drakari and Tau beat Drakari. Don't lose, <laughs> don't lose sleep over it. That's just something they do. They're quick. They hit you in the places you don't want to get hit. That's just how that one goes. Um, and so it's, I think that's where you can get advice and get sort of support on where your head's at with the thing. As to whether when it's time to move off something, I think that depends on what your goals are, right? Do you want to be winning more games in that given moment? Is that your goal? Then, yeah, move on to something stronger if that's what you want to be doing. But I had a similar one with, I was playing GSC when that codex first came out. And it was hard. I struggled a lot playing GSC. I wasn't winning a bunch of games. I was having a rough time. And then I was trying to work out what I was going to take to the next event I was going to. And I was talking with Stuart, our, our good teammate, who's not very active at the moment, but I love Stuart a bit. And I was asking him what he thought I should take. And Stuart was like, you take the GSC because you haven't figured it out yet. And yeah. you, you should be, and you know, you're learning and you're developing. And actually, you should do the thing that's difficult because that's going to make it better. And he was 100% right. And in the end, GSC clicked for me and did a lot better. And, and you, you reach and you have that breakthrough with how a faction plays. And if that I just give up, you know, is such a good feeling as well, isn't it? When, it's why, when as you much nail as I'm, it. Yeah. When I'm, although I'm low, oh. I would go thousands because I face planted. It's the way it went. But I'm not done figuring out how to play that army well, and I will make myself do it. Yeah. So it's, it's something where there's there's a real benefit and a real reward in pushing through. But also sometimes you do need to make it a bit easier for yourself as well and get, get your confidence back up, as I'm currently doing with, with all my old favourites. Exactly. I think if, if it's if it's event wins or game wins that you're going for with a particular list concept, 
you do need to be honest with yourself. Um, it's difficult to do. None of us are very good at it, I'm sure. But it is you need to ask yourself, really, is the list fundamentally not a good list? Or is it a good list that I'm just not good enough to play yet? Yeah. Um, and and if, it, if it's the latter, and it's just, it's a case of, practicing and getting better you sometimes you just have to grind it and it, yeah. this is what i was referring to or ed referred to earlier with the, with the silly valiant list i was running i knew from the moment i put that list together and realized you could build an advance advance and shoot and charge mechanic in with house raven into the valiants combine that with all the mortal wound output they could do i knew there was something good in there yeah. it just needed to to be fine so i needed to find it and i needed to make myself better as a player to be able to take it and still do well with it and as ed said it was six months before i had any kind of anything better than a two three at an event um but as soon as i got to the point where it clicked and i knew that it was all about holding back until the precise moment and then dropping the speed down and actually going, everyone expects this, I need to move eight inches, and suddenly I can get the max advance, I can do the reroll on the advance, I can get the double, the 2d6 advance, and just bam, and put 1,000 or 1,200 points of mortal wound output into an opponent's army. Once I worked out how to time that, yeah. and how to apply that pressure, it was like a whole new world had opened up in front of me, and it was yeah. suddenly like I could be a terrifying player with that list. But if I'd have given up because of initial results... I would never have found that, and I'd have just gone, no, no. stayed on the train with everyone else going, oh, Valiant's a load of rubbish, don't bother with them. Yeah. I was like, they're definitely not. There's something in there. But it took a long time for me to realise I wasn't good enough and then work out how I could be good enough yeah. to use it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's great learning in losing, and it's just it's just where you're at with your confidence and with your development. Because it can very easily become something that stops your development because you're just feeling rubbish. Yeah, 100%. You're not motivated to play games. You don't want to play games. You don't feel like you're any good at it. Your, your games are leaving you feeling like you're bad at the game, which is not a helpful not place healthy, to be. Um, if you're if, very much a spike, going back to what we said If you've got the earlier, resilience yeah. and you want to keep going, then yeah, exactly. There's some reward in that. We've got a question in the chat from Hit Dead who wants to know, when you pickle pickles, is it called pickled pickles or just a pickle? They're actually pickled... Um... Cucumbers, so they're actually yeah. gherkins if they're in that state, or it'd be a pickled onion. So it's never just pickled pickles; it's you're pickling something specific yeah, because it's a transition. I, I think he's suggesting if you took a pickled gherkin and pickled it again, what is it then? You're not pickling it again; you're just maintaining its state of being. If I <laughs> if I fucking, if I if I catch a fish and I throw it back in the ocean, I'm not oceaning a fish. <laughs> Closest you get is refried beans. That's basically what he's trying to say to us. It's like I'm, yeah. I'm repickling a pickle. Re-pickle pickle. It doesn't. Well, it's actually like raw toast is actually cooked bread. Is it deep pickled at that point? You can, if you go to a Ponzi restaurant, you can get triple cooked chips. Yeah. Yes, and it tastes amazing. So you don't have a, to go is to it a double pickled, double pickle? pickled pickle. You don't have to go to fancy restaurants, but that's something that you can get. If it's so if it's I, better I than work KFC, for a food distributor. It's a fancy restaurant. Uh, uh, well, no, maybe we'll put my shoes on to go in the restaurant. So uh, I think that's a bit too. I have to wear my body dazzlers, mate. It's a fancy restaurant. Uh, yeah, no, triple triple cut chips mm-hmm. uh, are not super fancy. So working for a food them. distributor, I sell uh, probably 150 cases of those a week. It's the joy of working uh, for the government, got, mate. Do we have anything else in there? what are your views in mich- on mission secondaries in competitive play so chilling rain or use the whole range 
I quite like the range. I do like the range. I think it's good. I think it's God, better to have a few thrown in than not. I think some. Some of yeah. them, I think they're aberrant ones that you shouldn't use because yeah. they create an absolute insane game that can become... remind myself of the bullshit that they put A in little bit on... Unf- yeah, it depends. A bit some of them the could be a, just but dumb even, luck, right? So, so I didn't like Scrambler Fields, for example. I love it. With the dropping <laughs> on points because I played GSC. But actually, I think it's fine. I think it's okay. Yeah. You just I don't play around you, it, right? I think you do have to play around it. It does hurt the opponent in different ways as well and does create other... Yeah, so like targets of so opportunity where you get extra like points. Like the expensive CP reroll one. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a few. I, I think it's nice to throw a couple of those in. I do think Harley says never scramble fields again. I don't think it would have affected that game at all, Harley, though, would it? Really? Like sticky objectives. It just That just doesn't feel like it would actually be that impactful, <laughs> but at the same time could just swing a game occasionally. So Yeah, sticky objectives like, is an interesting uh, one. Just feels a bit miserable if that's how your army's built, but then maybe if you know that's going to be in the pack, you then don't yeah, build around to, that. You must, and it becomes you know in advance. Safe, right? yeah. you know, and sometimes you don't. Well, yeah, it might be in the well, pack, but you might not know. I wrote yeah. my Chaos Knights list not realizing that I needed characters to score on one of your fucking missions. Uh, <laughs> now, admittedly, that was my fault. <laughs> But it's like chosen battlefield. It's bonkers. If you've got map layouts, that's a bonkers one to do. Yeah. So I don't yeah, think so we, we, we I, had chosen battlefields. I want to point out that Vox Static is not a good rule to have because all it does is it closes the gap between good players and bad players. Again, because it dissuades the fucking Timmies from going, I'm going to reroll that last cannon because it's <laughs> and they don't have 2CP because they don't have a concept of fucking delayed gratification. Um, there were that, players <laughs> failing six inch charges everywhere during that mission uh, and it was, yeah. it was disastrous. They were all just stuck because none of them had enough CP to do anything about it. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. It's nice putting the cat amongst the pigeons. See what comes. I think out. they add a bit of flavour, and they're all they're all conditions you can adapt to. And, on, and miss, different missions benefit different armies in different ways already. So this is no different. It's just another layer of the same thing. Man. It can it can make some events seem interesting if you're not yeah. just playing the UKTC format pack. Yeah. And sometimes that's nice just to kind of blow the dust out and you go. I want to test a list. Doesn't matter what missions I'm really playing. I just want to get some battle like time on the table yeah. with them and see what happens and sometimes that's nice right just to change a pace without having to go i'm going to play Age of Sigma or crusade you're just playing the game still i want right. to see hidden supplies burned and i want to see it not <laughs> twice in a fucking mission pack. is that is that the extra objectives yes yeah. yeah like fucking... i like it i always <laughs> like anything with loads of objectives <laughs> yeah it's got a similar argument we were we... making earlier oh. where if if 10th edition is supposedly simplified and um, we would we liked the complexity yet we aren't happy that they've added some complexity in terms of the kind of secondary missions bit. Is that... yeah. Well, I mean, I can, well-rounded. I can fucking go to an online thesaurus and just add nonsense words that kind of vaguely work. And I've made my sentence more complex, but it's a dog shit sentence. <laughs> yeah. Like complex or simple doesn't mean good. Um, you remember their, their tagline simplified, not simple. Um, it's not sure. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm just yeah, yeah. I've, there's definitely work to be done there. Um, and then High Fleet Phil has got a question, which is well, how do you approach an <laughs> army or detachment that has you haven't played or practiced against? So um, my normal approach is shit the bed and lose the game <laughs> where I shouldn't have because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that's the thing I shouldn't have done. The reality is. 
takes time at the beginning of the game and think about it, right? Look at it and go, right, what do I not want to do? And the classic one is the last the the time I played the first time I played World Eaters in this edition was at our Christmas invitational. I put my first unit of scouts just down in a ruin and Chris went, They should be on on that that line. And I went, Oh shit, of course they should be. And then I remembered how you're supposed to play against World Eaters. But it's those simple things like give yourself five seconds to think about it and not just do what you do on autopilot and actually especially if you're on a clock just take your time Mm. just think about it yeah so you've got you've got a range of choices in the context in which this happens i think i've matters a lot right so if you're doing this in the practice and if you're playing against a mate that's bringing an army you've not played against for the first time i say just let them do their thing and find out what it does by playing into it and have a good have a good time and learn and probably you lose because you don't know what it does but maybe not and i think that's absolutely fine um, if you are suddenly paired into this at a round or an event, then get help, get advice, ask someone. You will have yeah. friends that know and can advise you very quickly about get help. Get help. Like, literally Stop. do. Don't get sort of help. don't style it out and just go in. It'll be fine. If you're in a competing mm. setting, get the advice of those. Especially around. teams format. It can be just... really clutch. It can be really big and try and do a little bit of prep on, on the ground. But I say in general, the fun thing to do is get caught out by it. And lose. You learn you. so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know what not to do next time. I know what I try and do really in those in those situations. If I'm not quite sure of like how much damage something does or what its reach is, all those kind of questions. If 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 it's if it's just not 100 percent clear because I don't know, I find asking my opponent questions at the start doesn't doesn't go into my head quickly enough to kind of register it. Is overestimate what your opponent can do. So take the GSC, for example, they have that silly combo where they drop things in and chuck demo charges or do the, the guns and things when they come in, um, do the shoot. They do the shoot when they come in, makes a mess. It's like, well, I, I assume they're going to be able to drop in and immediately kill the storm surge or immediately wipe out ghost kill or whatever it happens to be. So I, I plan around that. I plan on basically the assumption that they can drop in and immediately kill the biggest thing in my army, which would be really frustrating if it happened. So I was like, okay, well, make sure that doesn't happen. And then when they do drop in, they don't quite kill the thing because you're overestimated. It's like, cool, I have more resources than I thought I was going to have. I was taking this game thinking I was going to lose X, Y, and Z. I'm actually now got those things. This yeah. is easier than I thought. It's better than that than underestimating what your yeah. opponent can do Preparing for the and work. finding out the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Completely cool. Right, anything else? So we've got two more questions. This one's a two-parter. So um, – <laughs> A question from Harley, which was, how happy did Haywire Scourges make Tom this weekend? Very With happy. a follow-up part from Connor saying, how sad did that make Harley? Okay, so <laughs> for context, Rob, Kimpton and I have been plotting and designing Jakari lists since we got the new detachment, because we both um, enjoy doing that, and we both are bouncing ideas off each other. One of the points of contention is that Rob really likes Haywire Scourge, and he likes them specifically because you've got something that if you hit like a monolith or a land raider, you can put some damage on it. Um, and get around things that Dark Lances struggle with. So for that specific reason, I <laughs> yielded to Rob and was like, I will take some Haywire Scourge in the list. That was their job. In the final against Harley, we have a bunch of very close moments skirmishing around Supply Drop, which is all about that final mission, in the, that final objective in the middle in the end. The objectives have disappeared in Harley's favour generally, so it's not looking good for me on the primary, but I'm doing well on secondaries because I'm killing off all this shit around the edges. Haywire Scourge have had a great game because they popped off a couple of Dread Knights. So they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So then we get to the end of the game where basically the only play I have to stop Harley winning the game is attack the middle with literally the entire army and shove it on the point and then hope he can't get me off it at the end. He's got Drago and 10 Terminators on that point. So I shove the whole <laughs> army in the middle. 
the Haywire Scourge, without any bonuses, they hit on fours with dev wounds. There are eight shots. They dev wounded three Terminators to death. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think a couple of Dark Lances that I had left, he failed the saves. So about five or six of them died just to incidental shooting. And then Incubi and Lilith do the rest. So that is not a likely sequence of events. Um, how sad did it make Harley? Harley took it like a pro. Harley was very, very, very good. And I saw it was that all... high fiving all around type of thing. Of it was cuddles, man. We had a very, cu- we were yeah. hugging all the way through that game, and I, I was incredibly impressed with Harley's attitude. I think he's a, he's a wonderful person good. to play, and no one likes having that shit happen. But he took it, <laughs> took it like a champ. He's getting PTSD. <laughs> in the chat, like, <laughs> I couldn't quite believe it. There were just the three sixes there when you roll the wounds, and you're just like, what on earth is going on? Absolutely nuts. Um, okay, one more question. And then we got one last question from The Reality Shark, which is, should you prepare for lots of indirect when less building for competitive events? If so, how do you do that? <laughs> well, so this is something that I've actually been thinking about because I have been hot on custodies. They play in a way that I don't have to rewire my brain to play. Uh, I think they're very good at the moment. I think they're good into a lot of things that are going to be good. However, (laughs) what concerns me is that even if there's not going to be a lot of them played, in the sort of 4-1 bracket, 5-0, if I'm trying to do well at big events, I think there's going to be an upsetting number of guard players there. And Manticore's they fucking rip through custodies. Um, I haven't run the numbers. I've just looked at the profile and gone, mm, <laughs> oh, I, that makes me sad. Um, and you can't even avoid it because you're like, I'm going to put a feel no pain on this squad behind a wall so you can't kill it with uh, manticores. Things cool. I'd just shoot literally anything else in your army. Yeah. So that's genuinely maybe pushing me away from playing custodies and maybe going to playing hypercrypt necrons <laughs> david kalos just put a smiley face in the chat <laughs> <laughs> you bad bad man you absolute hero <laughs> hiding there in the background there just waiting he was just for waiting you. for god <laughs> yeah. no, but, yeah. hey, if, yeah. if i if i <laughs> get to play dave an event again i hope i'm playing hypercrypt and i'm not playing custodies that's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely Gosh. where i'm falling down on that one uh i haven't even really right? thought through the matchup yet but uh, i've been writing some some hypercrypt lists and going maybe this is this is better there's more skill expression as well i've become a quite a lazy player because i've been playing uh war dogs and necrons so i need to do what i did yeah. in ninth edition and reset my brain by playing something like knife knife fighting tau and just get back to playing better honestly i I think the one key difference if i know i'm playing into a lot of indirect when Mm. playing my list i try to avoid putting just one unit on a point like a unit of scouts if there is an indirect putting that there sometimes is all right but the minute they've got indirect they know that's their first target something like that just a quick win so putting things like loan ops that can just sit there and just yeah, be so safe. Sticking objectives are a big yeah, deal. It's just, and that's why I keep hammering. I want to put intercessors in all my lists, but it's always the first thing to come out because I need those Transports, 85 points from Transports that aren't just made out of scantily clad bits of skin are, yes. are, really, are really useful. If you, if you have any transports that can actually take a punch, those are very helpful as well. So I had that in the custodian matchup on Friday where I had a an impulsor hold the middle objective for the entire game Nice. Until I think it was end of turn four when he finally got rid of it, that kept me in the game. Yeah. So. Completely. And so I mean I think the other flip side to this 
reality show, I'm going to give you my own example. I have obviously been really excited about Sky Splinter. I've been playing Sky Splinter. Sky Splinter just dies to artillery. So I have had to choose. I've had a Johnny versus Spike moment. The Spike in me goes, well, you shouldn't run Sky Splinter because you're just going to lose to these artillery armies. But the Johnny bit of me goes, you want to express yourself with the army that you like the most, which means you accept that's out there and you focus on winning the games where it's not. Um, and that's what I'll be doing about artillery and waiting for someone to sort it the fuck out because I'm sure they eventually will. They always do in the end. We just might have to get through a few more months before eventually it gets sorted out. Um, but in terms of the types of artillery to look out for, manticores, basilisks, D-cannons for Eldar are back. Possibly mm. night spinners if Nassim has his way. He's writing some lists that make me want to vomit at the moment. Um, but we'll see. Hold on. Nassim, who plays guard yes. very well, yes. is gone. Hmm, guard yes. are maybe the best army in the game right now. What should we play? <laughs> Not <laughs> guard. Just just loves artillery, that boy. He's just looking <sighs> for as many different ways to express Turns out he's the Johnny as well. <laughs> it's, his, it's, his, it's his calling card now. Yeah. <laughs> right, wonderful. Also, just very high toughness, also. Yeah. Um, that's a good call. You can get it. Wonderful. Okay, well, that's us. Thanks very much for tuning in. It's been really fun to have you all here, whether you be Timmy's, Johnny's, or Spikes. I hope you all enjoy your games and have a great time. And we'll see you all again next time. Bye bye.